Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Society of Chicago, or as we'd like to lovingly call it, Society. Uh, I'm Patrick. I'm Sam. And I'm Lee. What have you guys been doing now that the weather's actually nice enough to be outside for a full day or weekend? Um, I've actually been inside. I recently took some Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. Um, I've been looking to, I don't know, I've been feeling kind of burnt out at the gym, so I was looking for some classes to stay in shape and like learn a new skill. Brazilian jiu-jitsu seems pretty useful. I went to my first class and was like, eh, I don't know about this. Like, how good actually is this? And then I got my ass kicked for 45 straight minutes. I was like, okay, there's definitely something to this. <laughs> you going back? Yes. Nice. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. The, the, the guy who's in charge is this kind of like heavy dude with a ponytail. And I was like, you look like a karate instructor for sure. And then he just destroyed people. I was like, oh, okay. You're actually good at this. You, you know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, nice weather means I could bike everywhere, which is awesome. Like changes your life in Chicago when you, because everything's like no more than five miles mm-hmm. and it's way faster <laughs> to get around mm-hmm. biking, which I always love. I've also been appreciating the Riverwalk a lot more this year Ooh. than other years. The way that they've built it out and made it a great public space while not making it touristy for that part of of town. I, you know, I, I think they just did a really great job and yeah, cool. hats off to Chicago. So, Lee, who are we interviewing this week? This week, we're talking to Emily Wentz, uh, who is the founder of a craft fair called Show of Hands. Um, And the reason that I learned about this community is that my roommate makes ceramics. We actually have a studio in my apartment. And she's been participating as a vendor at Show of Hands for, um, I think, about like two years now. And I remember the first time she came back, she was like, oh, my God, this is the best craft fair for vendors. Like, nobody else gets like the fact that they they have people basically walking around and saying like do you need to go to the bathroom can i watch your booth for you do you need to get lunch can i get you anything here's some free iced coffee and she's like no like this one is so well made and there's such a fantastic kind of synergy between all the vendors and it's just such a welcoming space for the actual makers of the art and she basically said like if you're going to do an episode on craft fair i highly recommend doing show of hands so reached out to emily and yeah i'm really excited to kind of hear as an artist herself who saw this gap in the craft fair environment for vendors so i've actually been to show of hands it was it was pretty cool the thing i remember is that uh everything looked nice like i feel like you have the experience of going to some of these craft fairs at like you know, county fairs or street festivals and stuff. And some stuff you're like, oh, that looks nice. And some stuff you're like, eh, maybe not. But I remember walking around being like, oh, everything is good here. It was, it was a pretty cool experience. All right, well, let's get right into it. Welcome, Emily. Okay, Emily Wentz, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Before we get too far into Show of Hands, Mm -hmm. which you've previously said you were the everything of Show Mm -hmm. of Hands. I'm the the Show of Hands. You are the hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All the hands. Before we talk too much about hands and shows, Mm -hmm. how did you come to Chicago? Um, I moved to Chicago after I graduated from college in 2000. I moved here because I'm from Ohio and that kind of seemed like the thing to do. And I kind of didn't know what I was going to do. I was an art major and, you know, there was no like actual job situation that I was like, what job am I going to have? I just kind of thought I'd show up and see what happened. <laughs> One job, please. Yeah. I'd like a job that has paint in, or something involved. <laughs> um, 
But I got here and I pretty quickly started working at Paper Source. Oh, okay. Um, which back then was a very a relatively small company. There was only like seven locations. It was privately owned. So I pretty quickly like moved up from just being a salesperson to I was then a manager. Then I was an invitations consultant. I kind of got a weird crash course in graphic design. So I kind of just like trial by fire became a graphic designer. And then maybe four and a half years into that job, I decided that, you know, I was going to bite the bullet and start my own company. And my dad, who's an accountant, was basically like running through all the like logical scenarios instead of me, who was like, it'll be fun. I'm sure it's <laughs> easy, you know. And he was what like, cool, no, you have to get like a business license and know what you're doing and you're going to have a lot of expenses and this may not work out the way you want it to. So he kind of, you know, talked me through it and said, like, if this job you had paid you like twice as much money, would you stay? And I immediately said no. And so he's like, well, there's your answer. So you should quit your job. He's like, you're very young. I think I was 24 at the time, 25 at the time. He's like, you're young. You got the world, you know, the worst that can happen is you try it for a year and it's a disaster and you go get a real job again. And that was 15 years ago. All right. And then in 2009, I opened a retail store um, that was my stuff, but also other kind of local and independent designers. And... That went pretty strong for a couple of years, and then a craft show that had been around for like 10 years just stopped, kind of announced like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. And a lot of us freaked out because we were like, cool, that was the show that we always do that weekend, and we all like kind of thought it was pretty good, and we made money at it, and it was a thing our customers expect us to be at. Um, that kind of sucks. So because I'm a crazy person, I was like, what if I just did my own craft show? Okay. <laughs> like, that can't be that hard. So I emailed, like, I don't know, 35 people and just said, hey, I know you probably saw that the DIY trunk show canceled, doesn't exist anymore. If I did a show the same weekend that that normally is, but, you know, at a different venue, would you do it? And, like, almost everyone I emailed said that they would do it. And then I just kind of did it, like, kind of, un, like, very naively. Just was like, I'm sure this will be fine. Okay. And I think just based on having the right vendors be involved the first time around, it was a bunch of people who already kind of knew what the deal was, knew how to do shows, knew what it meant to be like, here's a table, like, make it cute and put your stuff on it and sell, you know. They all kind of knew. I didn't have to teach anybody, like, how to come to an event. And then I just tried to, like, market the hell out of it. And somehow, like, a ton of people showed up to the first show. And so it just kind of, like, snowballed from there. And it's just gotten kind of a reputation as being, like, a vendor show. I joke that I don't care about the customers. Because I, I'm of the opinion that if the vendors are happy, that everyone else will be happy as a result. Yeah, I like that. So it's a, it's a vendor-focused art fair Mm -hmm. With the emphasis on the vendors and the art, not on the, like, drinking in the street. Right. There's a lot of shows that are, like, the makers or the vendors that are selling things are actually the last thing they talk about. Or maybe they don't even talk about them. Like, oh, no, you're going to have beer. And there's a music venue. And there's a photo booth. When what you should be doing is saying, you're coming to this because you should be spending money. Like, you don't go to Target to, like, hang out. You go there to buy stuff. So... You should also be going to show of hands to buy stuff. That's the point. You should support these people. Has the festival grown since its inception? I know you were worried about nobody showing up, but I've been <laughs> once and there were many there people were showing up. There were not zero people there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's grown quite a bit. It's actually, it's a weird problem. I always say like, I never, I never want there to be like 
30,000 people coming because it, it would kind of ruin the event. It tends to be like when shows get unmanageable and they get too crowded, then the people who are actually there to shop and connect with the vendors and ask questions and take the time to buy something that maybe is more expensive. If it's crowded, they won't do that. But yeah, since the original show, it's, it's gotten bigger both in number of vendors. The first show only had 60 vendors. The most recent uh, holiday show had 115 vendors. But yeah, I always kind of secretly, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen when it gets, like there's going to be a point where it's like too big. While you're describing this, it really sounds a lot like kind of a very professional artist alley type of thing without the, without it kind of being attached to a big conference or something like that, right. you know, which is they right. usually are. Um, but those typically have some kind of built in online community, you know, yeah. or you mean something like that. Yeah. And what I'm curious about, is there a maker community that has allowed this to grow and be what it is? You know, yeah. does that make sense? So like, yeah. is, is that kind of established and did you kind of have to establish that or did you just pull from your earlier connections to I really get everything? There is kind of a group of people that all have kind of like become friends, not just through being our show, doing our show, but just doing shows in general. And they all kind of cross over in weird ways. Like there's definitely like groups that do the street fairs that are outdoor all summer. And like those kind of overlap with the people who always do the holiday shows. And then there's kind of like a, people who do renegade. There's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of people like at different levels. Sometimes it's just we're in the same industry, so we know each other. Like, we all make candles, and we know each other, you know, or we all make stationery, and we all, that kind of thing. We've tried to just make sure that Show of Hands is very community over competition. There, there are definitely shows where, like, it's not really the show's responsibility to come up and be like, hey, don't be an asshole to your neighbor. <laughs> but, like, it, there is something to be said for, like, fostering that feeling of, like, hey, if I say it out loud in front of all of you that like you should all help each other, then like nobody feels awkward. No one feels like, well, I don't want to ask them because like they've been doing this a long time and like what if they're annoyed by me or what if they tr think I'm trying to steal their ideas or what, you know. I just kind of let everybody know like these people over here who've been doing this for 15 years can learn something from you just as much as you can learn something from them because we've all had different experiences. And there's been a lot of like collaborative product products coming out of the show. Like a lot of the vendors oh. meet each other at the show. And then they like, we've had like an illustrator designed um, a dog collar designed for six point pet. And like they met at a show, like they were neighbors at a show. So how many shows of hands <laughs> are there a year? And then how far out do you have to start kind of planning it? Um, currently there are three or I guess two and a half. <laughs> There's two big shows that I call like the flagship shows a year, um, a spring show that's usually either the last weekend of April or the first weekend of May, and then the holiday show, which is always the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, and then we added last year a last minute show, which was the Thursday night before Christmas. Oh. But then, yeah, we try to, we try to promote it pretty far out. I usually start like heavy marketing, maybe like eight weeks before. But we always know the applications for the next one open at the beginning of August. Because, I mean, there it's kind of the whole point of knowing who the vendors are far in advance is so that I can promote them. Do you think that all of this coming together, show of hands to put on these events, is unique to Chicago, like the whole community aspect of it? Or do you think other places could probably try something like this, but maybe have a little bit more difficult of a time? Like, is there something unique about it all coming together here in the city or was it just the right place right time 
I think there's definitely a lot of other cities that have s- shows similar to ours. I mean, Renegade Craft Fair is kind of a testament to like how that, you know, they've, they started in Chicago and they've kind of spread to cities that they were like, this seems like a city that could have this, 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 other, you know, and they've kind of, they started with bigger, you know, more obvious places like Brooklyn and the San Francisco. And, but now they're really hitting like Denver and Detroit and like places that maybe you wouldn't stereotypically be like, this has a great maker community. I, I don't want to do show of hands anywhere else. A lot of people have asked me about like expanding it and having it in other places. Part of why I enjoy doing it is because I live here and (laughs) I don't, I do not enjoy the idea of like handing over any sort of organization organizational things to another person because I won't trust them (laughs) to do it the way I would do it. And I also certainly don't want to be the person that like is getting on a plane or like dealing with a venue. It's already hard enough dealing with like rentals and a venue and marketing in a city that I'm fully familiar with and that I feel like I understand. Um, I can't imagine doing it in a city that is new to me. Is there anything specific then about the makers here that make show of hands really worth going to like you know what I mean like that little extra over the top or something I don't know that makes going there more than just going to a vendor's you know shop or something like that I don't I mean I'm real partial to our vendors I feel like they're the best people in the whole world and I believe that more than anything it's like the reason the show is successful is because of them. Like it's because of the vendors that are in the show. Like I think it's really great because people all seem very genuinely excited for just our whole community to grow, not just like me, 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 me. So I actually wanted to ask, so when you came to Chicago and you started Orange Beautiful, how did you kind of break into this maker community? Was that something that was new to you from Cincinnati? Oh, or yeah. was that oh, totally yeah? new to me. I had like a greeting card line and I started making some stuff and I think I just started looking into like, okay, well what how do I I had been teaching classes at Paper Source and then I thought like, well what if I teach classes? Like how what are other ways that I can like piece in income but could still kind of be in the umbrella of like I have this business that I'm trying to get anybody to know about. And so you kind of realize like, okay, well how do I get in front of more people. Like, how do I see that? So I think there was just a point where maybe somebody had said like, there's this craft show, like you're an artist, do that. (laughs) Um, So I think the first show I ever did in Chicago was, was a DIY trunk show. The one, the show that ended up going away. Um, And ironically, that show is where I met my husband. That's a whole nother Ah. episode. Um, He bought a journal from me. (laughs) Then I think I did the DIY trunk show and I did immediately after that, the one of a kind show. So once I did one and it was kind of like, oh shit, I like made my booth feedback and a bunch of people discovered me, then you just kind of do another one and you do another one. But yeah, I just kind of started doing them and testing them out. And like every time I would do one, I'd meet a couple people and kind of just pick their brain and be like, I'm new. Do you, have you done this before? Is it, is it this shitty every time? <laughs> um, and then you just kind of learn which shows are good for you. Yeah. Like, how did you curate a, a community of shoppers that is, you know, so far and beyond? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I still feel like it has to do with the vendor. Like, I think the vendors draw the right people. Something about our marketing, like, we're not pandering to anybody. I'm not, I'm not doing the lowest common denominator marketing, which, yes, maybe would yield larger crowds. But the ultimate goal is to have you know, people who are thoughtful and want to spend money and know why they're spending money. So I think maybe there's just kind of an underlying, like I'm always kind of trying to communicate that, like, hey, this is for this. It's not 
a beer festival. It's not like, yes, we have a beer vendor, but it's not about that. So like, I think there's just a different niche for different people. Like, and I, I like to think that we're the one that's people who actually want to support local makers and local businesses. Like they come to our show. So let's say I am a Chicagoan between the ages of 25 and 40. Your key demo. <laughs> let's, um, just say, let's just say I have glasses. Uh, yeah. I might have a beard. I don't, or not. Yeah. I'm not dumb. Uh, hopefully. I might have a podcast <laughs> and I wear a Cubs hat. Maybe. You know, just I'm just wanna, hypothetically. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Uh, and I see like online that my favorite maker uh, is like promoing your show. Like where yeah. do I go to get more information about that? Where do I find out about it? Like how do I learn about your event? Best place is our website, showofhandschicago.com. We also have an Instagram that's just showofhandschicago. And there's a Facebook page. I don't post shit on it. It's usually <laughs> just like reposts from my Instagram feed. So the best place is always the Instagram. And there's a ton of information on there, despite the amount of emailed questions I get every day. Um, there's like, <laughs> there's an FAQ page. There's an entire like background page about like me and how the show started. There's actually, we always leave up the previous show's vendor list for the entire time until the new list is put out. So if you want to get an idea of what vendors have been in the show previously, they're currently on there. All the sponsors that have ever sponsored the show are all listed on the sponsor page. There's information on there about applying if you're a maker that wants to apply. But yeah, all of it kind of home base is on that website. And if someone would want to get involved and they're not a maker, are there volunteer opportunities? Are yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we always have volunteers. We usually have probably between 15 and 20 volunteers for every show that kind of come and help out in shifts. Some people help out like multiple shifts on multiple days. Some people come and just work for like four hours. But yeah, we kind of rely heavily on the volunteers. They're usually, um, I don't, some, again, somehow they're always like the nicest people. They work so hard. They're like, they come in and I'm always like, cool, you're not, you're not being paid. Like, here, let me tell you a bunch of shit that you have to do. And like, I'm going to expect the best out of you. But, <laughs> but then they all like, they're always so eager and happy and friendly. Some of them kind of go above and beyond. And I'm just like, when I start having more money, you're come calling you, <laughs> give you a paid job. Um, so we usually have like a paid staff of a few people that kind of are, you know, the overseers of things. I usually have like a volunteer manager that kind of oversees the volunteers, but yeah, there's always, and there's always sponsorship opportunities. We were pretty hardcore about like not having corporate sponsors. We don't have any, like we've been approached by a couple and usually like that dollar amount is really enticing, but then I'm like, kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we always have, you know, local independent companies or at least companies that are in direct support of independent makers. So like we've had MailChimp has been a sponsor. Squarespace has been a sponsor. Square app has been a sponsor. Um, anything else you want to plug or mention? I know Orange Beautiful. Um, I don't know. Pancake Town. Where can listeners hear Pancake you? Pancake Town. Um, so yeah, we have a podcast. Um, that's Michelle Starbuck and I. She's another vendor. We were meeting like once a week for a while about we would meet for breakfast because we're like, we don't interact with other human beings. We need, you know, structured human time. And so we would always meet and just have breakfast and talk about, you know, terrible customers or like random shit we were struggling with, with the business or like trying to just kind of have accountability things like, Hey, I want to have this done by this date. Or like, I'm really struggling with website updates or whatever it was. And so then somehow, I don't know, a year into us doing that, we were like, we should record it. <laughs> Like, let's have this be a podcast. 
I don't know. <laughs> Who will listen to it? I don't know one. Parent. Um, but yeah, like tons of people listen to it now. Um, but yeah, it's basically like loosely a small business podcast, but it is also, there's lots of other <laughs> non-business. It's basically like two people who actually own businesses, like talking about what we talk about, which 90% of the time is business related. And the other 10 is like insane and makes no sense. Um, but yeah, we, it's one, an episode every week, Pancake Town podcast, the best place to find like updates and stuff is always on Instagram. Pancake Town Podcast on Instagram. Well, Emily, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. What I found very different than I think I would have ever thought about with any type of show is you think art shows and street festivals are focused around the vendors. And then you hear Emily talk and she's like, absolutely not. (laughs) She's like, it's not focused on the vendors at all. It's focused on the event. And what she does is it's very clear. She puts a lot of attention uh, into curating an experience for the vendors that will bring in shoppers who are going to buy things, you know, and she gives them a professional environment to, display their goods and you know give these makers almost like a storefront for a weekend that they don't have to spend the storefront money or upkeep on which i think is vastly different than any street fest i've even ever heard of yeah i feel like i've been to some of these street festivals and art fairs and things like that as a consumer and so being on that side of it it's just very easy to just walk through and look at all the stuff and then go to this it was definitely like kind of peeling back the curtain and saying like, this is all the work that has to go into it. And this is what it's like to be on the other side of that booth, which was a pretty good take and definitely gave me a healthy respect for anybody who's out there selling, first of all, making art. And then second of all, trying to sell it and potentially make a living off of it. And not even art, right? Like all sorts of, cause she was really talking about a lot of the gifts and stuff that the different things and woodworking things of really useful objects and clothes and stuff like that. Again, you really learn how much goes into how much effort goes into being a maker. And that's what this is supporting. Yeah. that That's actually something I was going to comment on as well on how intentional she was about making sure that there was the proper mix of jewelry makers and candle makers and ceramics and art and clothing. Um, and again, like being intentional about the shopper experience and, and making it interesting to, fully walk around and, and see what's available and set up the intention of I'm coming here to to shop and get a unique gift and and get something that I I can't go pick up at a store that that's always there but uh, a really special you know locally curated object and to see who made that object too <laughs> I think we can all agree you know the communities that that get you back to the roots a little bit of actually interacting with the person that's that's making what you're what you're going to be using or, or wearing or, or smelling every day um, <laughs> in, the, in the, you know, thought of candles. Um, <laughs> it, it's crazy because you would think this would be a, such a crowded space in Chicago um, with the street fairs that we have in the summer and, and Renegade starting here and some of the bigger ones. Um, it's cool to see that, that, you know, they started this in 2013 and that it's still able to be so successful and have a presence, uh, especially because the vendors are 
support it so much. Thank you again for listening. Please rate review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Uh, you can find us on social media at Society on Instagram or Society Pod on Twitter. Please send us an email at societypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments, any suggestions of people we should check out or communities that we should take a look at. And don't forget, on September 4th, we're having a live podcast recording at Koval Distillery. Come watch us talk to somebody more <laughs> accomplished than us. And more importantly, uh, come get your free samples of Koval products. <laughs> That's the real point. Um, <laughs> with a very distinguished uh, <laughs> founder of a global whiskey brand. Can't wait. Um, and yeah, drink and be merry. Until then, I'm Patrick. I'm Sam. And I'm Lee. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Jinx! <laughs> <laughs>